Hello, Mamas. Today I'm sharing a different sort of podcast. This is an interview my husband did. So you won't be hearing from me today. You'll be hearing from him about our birth journeys from his perspective. Enjoy. Hey, Mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. I am very excited to be sharing a different podcast with you today. So I am sharing a podcast from someone else's podcast, the wonderful Sam, who is a doula based in Perth. She has a podcast called Stories from the Birth Suite, and she reached out to me and said she is really passionate about interviewing partners in birth and hearing from their perspective, which I think is so cool because so often we do focus on the mother and her view and how her experience was, but it's so important to share the partner's perspective too. So she asked me if JA would be interested in sharing, and I was like, yes, absolutely. Like He loves a chinwag, so (laughs) I flicked it to him him and Sam teed this up and I truly did not hear this interview until last night. So I wanted to keep it fresh. I didn't want to be biased. JA kept saying, do you want to listen to it first? I was like, nope, I trust that (laughs) I, you know, don't need to edit anything from your point of view. I just want to hear it raw from you. And it's really beautiful actually to hear his version of it. And whilst it's all the same, you know, he explains that A, he forgets how we even announced our pregnancy from Luca, which is typical third child, right? But he explains from his point of view, supporting me through, we've had so many different birth experiences, as I'm sure you know, if you listen to the podcast, if not, scroll back and listen to my birth story episodes. But I've had two C-sections and then went on to have a home birth for my third. So we've we've gone on the emotional roller coasters up and down together. He has supported me through all of that journey. Uh, he is a big reason, as you would know, if you listen to my third birth story with Luca, which is on the podcast. So definitely scroll back and listen to that. But he is pretty much the main reason why that journey went the way it went. And it was the most transformational journey literally for my whole life. I feel like a different person because of it. And JA was such a catalyst for me. He was the ultimate cheerleader and supporter for me. He gave me all the confidence I needed when I didn't have it. And I think truly without him, I wouldn't have entered that path um, and taken the steps I took to have a really authentic and instinctual birth with her. Um, I would have, I would have had a very different experience. I'm super grateful that he is in my life and that he, yeah, was supporting me through that. And as he says in this episode, he's not an expert in birth, but he's an expert in me. So he knows me very well. And I just think that's a really cool take home message for any other partners listening to this, that you don't need to know the ins and outs of birth. You just need to know your partner really well and support her through that journey um, and work as a team. And it was actually really interesting. J.A. gets a bit choked up in part of this episode. And again, that was really fascinating for him to realize that there was still some stuff he was holding on to about the post-birth experience when I went to hospital and had a tear repaired um, and he felt like it was deja vu where he was sitting there again with a baby and no mum. Again, go back and listen to our stories if you don't know the full experience. But um, yeah, he got really choked up and so that was really fascinating for him. And I think that highlights the importance of talking about your experience 
both for the woman birthing, but also for the partner, like talk about it with a friend. You don't have to be on a podcast, but it's really cathartic to just get it out there, right? So um, I really hope that you enjoy this episode with the wonderful Sam from sam.zieg.thebirthsuite. If you want to check her on Instagram or you can go check out her podcast, it is called Stories from the Birth Suite. Enjoy this episode from my husband, J.A., and yeah. I let I always love to know what you think. So please jump on over to at Physio Laura and let me know if you have any feedback from the episode. Enjoy. So how did Laura tell you she was pregnant with Luca? Oh, this is bad. Um honestly, can't remember to be totally honest. <laughs> Poor third child. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's that's shocking. Um, <laughs> Were you guys trying? Uh, we, was it an active uh, choice decision or a bit of a surprise? Well, we have three kids, um, and we had before our eldest, we had, um, two miscarriages. So one pretty early, I think was the first one was six weeks and the second one was around 10 weeks. So I think we've, um, we've been one of those fortunate couples that I think we've tried, um, six times and, and pretty much fallen pregnant five times. So, um, okay. yeah, we weren't trying for very long. So that's why we've got a. 20 month gap between our eldest and our middle child, and then another 20 month gap between uh, Pierre and, and Luca. There you go. Uh, smashing them out pretty fast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I know that Laura had two cesareans previously. Yeah. Yep. Had you guys talked, remind me. So Pierre was going to be a VBAC. Was that the aim for Pierre? And then that didn't eventuate? Yes, that was the goal. In fact, the goal was not for Peter to be a V back in the first place because we never anticipated Mussy, um, our eldest, being a cesarean. So, yeah, I guess in the context of Mussy having been a cesarean, yeah, so then the goal was that Pierre would be a V back, a natural birth or vaginal birth. And in hindsight, I guess, we probably didn't give ourselves the best chance of that happening. Um, but for all intents and purposes at the time, we were hoping that Pierre would become a VBAC and we felt like we'd identified the things that maybe we wanted to change from Mussy's pregnancy and birth, but it just didn't eventuate. So Laura was induced early with Mussy and that wasn't successful. So that's how we ended up in a cesarean, which to be honest, completely caught me by surprise. And we hadn't really had that conversation at all. So I felt like a bit of a deer in the headlights with that one. And then feeling like we knew better next time with Pia, Laura was allowed to go, um, I think 10 days overdue, if we want to use that term. Um, and that was actually quite interesting because we had booked in Laura we knew that we had been given the cutoff date for like the longest, because our first two births were private. We'd been given the cutoff date as how long they were going to allow Laura to go before they'd booked her in for, um, you know, emergency slash elective surgery, uh, Caesar. So we were heading to Melbourne for the, the night before it was booked in. So I think she was either nine or 10 days post that point in time. And um, as we were driving there, Laura's telling me, I'm feeling something. It's like, oh, really? And I was getting really nervous because in my head, I was really hopeful up until that point. And then it's like, well, you know, here we are. We're, we're going we're gonna to end up in the same spot as Mussy, but at least we gave it a crack. And then now she's telling me what could be very early contractions and what have you, or pre-labor. I can't remember all the terminologies. I'm shocking like that. But, um, and so we go and watch this movie in the city that night and then comes the middle of the night and she calls the hospital essentially to say, look, you know, 
this is where we're at. And I said, I oh, will still come in the morning because we, we didn't want to put anyone out because Laura was first off the rank in the morning at, I think, eight o'clock or nine o'clock. So we didn't want to put anyone out. So we told the hospital, like, oh, yeah, just go to bed and, you know, show up in the morning. And so then Laura was quite uncomfortable. So it was only like a 15 minute drive from where we stayed in the city to the hospital. And, um, yeah, by the time we got there, we arrived to something probably that we didn't expect. And there's a lot that goes on between there and then, but essentially Laura's told like, she's not having that baby naturally. Um, I doubt that it's going to happen in your very early days. And, you know, we were advised it's a good idea to continue on with the plan and have the cesarean. So, you know, that's what we ultimately agreed to knowingly at the time for both of us, it was probably against our better judgment, but at the same time, like we agreed to it. So ultimately it was our decision to go along with it. So, um, yeah, our second PR was born via cesarean. Um, so it's quite the roller coaster 24 yeah. hours, isn't it? Like yeah. we're going to go have a cesarean. No, I'm in labor. No, we're having, you know, like, oh, it was amazing. Like I was so, I probably, I'm, I'm very level-headed. Like I, I try and keep an even keel and I think I hadn't allowed myself to indulge. Like I had the utter belief in Laura, she's a pelvic floor physio with a public profile. I knew that she was meant so much to have this, this natural birth. And I had every faith in her, but at the same time, I didn't want to set us up to be disappointed. It's kind of like the same thing when we had the two miscarriages, it kind of takes the, uh, the excitement off early pregnancy a little bit because you're always conscious of, oh, well, what happens if this one, you don't want to set yourself up for disappointment. So I was like not allowing myself too much to be part of that fantasy that like, okay, Laura's going to have this natural birth especially after a Caesar, because it, it feels a little bit different. There's so much stigma around it and so much fear. And, um, but yeah, in the car on the way to the city, I was like, oh, awesome. This is happening. Like she's going to get what And so I was like, so bored into it all of a sudden. I was like, oh, wow, we're going to, this is going to happen. And then, yeah, that didn't quite happen. So it was, yes, it was an emotional roller coaster if there ever was one. And then when she fell pregnant with Luca, which clearly I don't remember how she told yeah. me. So yes, no, that is <laughs> recorded. It's all right. I'll cut that bit out for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, when she fell pregnant with Luca, had you guys discussed trying for a VBAC again or like what was kind of your process there? I know it went very differently. Yeah, this is quite fascinating actually because we had already moved to the surf coast by the time Laura had her second. So we still had a private obstetrician in Melbourne. So we elected to still go down that route. So we traveled to Melbourne for Pia, our second born's birth. And we decided that we weren't going to do that third time around because like, we didn't want to be going back up and down the highway. So we looked for a local private obstetrician and our obstetrician in Melbourne was doing, uh, I think the term was maternal assisted caesars and laura was really excited by the prospect of well at least if she has to have a caesar um then like let's do it in this way because it sounds really lovely so we discussed the proposition of that with this new obs guy who was closer to home where we'd moved to the surf coast and he wasn't doing it at the time but he was open to looking into it for us and then i just recall after that we sat down at a cafe in geelong and i said to laura is that actually what you want it felt like this if he had said yes to the maternal assisted seizure. I think there's an absolute chance that our story with Luca would have been completely different, but because he said it wasn't a flat out, no, it was just like, not now. And I'll look into it for you. Then all of a sudden we had this, this conversation and I just sort of said, "Hun, is this what you actually want? And next minute, yeah, um, things changed dramatically. And from there, it was like this cascade of events that slowly, slowly pushed us to what ultimately ended in, in something very different than what we had originally set out to. But I think in all honesty, I can say that I think 
Laura was going to have a third cesarean in a private hospital, hopefully maternal assisted, but it didn't happen that way. So at what point did you then pull the pin on the private OB? Um, we had heard in Geelong, there's a place called the birth house or at the time there was, I feel like things might've changed since then, but a birth house, which was attached to, um, Geelong hospital. So Laura was going to get in touch with them and essentially see if they would assist her in having the birth there instead and trying for a natural birth. And I think it was in the midst of all the restrictions and what have you, they'd become very popular. And because of the partner rules and all this sort of stuff, I think for multiple reasons, they were very popular and, uh, we would have been far along, but they were already booked out essentially. Um, especially for Laura's situation, like a V back after two cesareans, they wanted to have a certain midwife and that wasn't available. So in the end, that was another no, which again, I recall Laura and I sitting down and thinking, okay, what now? Um, I said, well, call them back and ask them if like, you know, there's someone else that can help us. So we then get the number of a private midwife. I, I can't recall then if we were still trying to see if we could have a private midwife in the birth house, or if we were just going to have it at an Airbnb close to the hospital in Geelong and have this private midwife. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that transpires afterwards. I'm not sure how much of it I could go into, but ultimately we go down the path of engaging this midwife. And there was a whole lot of stipulations that came along with that just because of Laura's situation, which involved us going to the hospital and, and meeting the obstetrician there and letting him know of our intentions and him allow, informing us of what he viewed as the risks of the, the decisions that we were making. And he was fantastic. He was lovely about it and um, had a really like open dialogue around it all. Um, even so still proceeded, like still decided to proceed with the, the course of action where we would like have the private midwife and um, have it in an Airbnb close to the hospital. Um, so that's, so he was willing to have an open conversation. Was it obvious he gave you all the risks and was it numbers or was it opinion or both? Uh, look, in, in hindsight, I think Laura and I, we were open-minded, but at the same time, uh, we were recognizing that if you're going to ask a, a carpenter how to fix something, they're going to use timber. If you're going to ask a bricklayer how to fix something, they're going to use bricks. And so you, you come to things with preconceived notions and like, it's, it's very much a, a focus on risks. So when we were asking like, like how would Laura be approached if she was coming to hospital and like, well, the first thing we do is monitor you, um, because you're a high risk case. And I sort of suggested to him, like, could you say that maybe if she's monitored then, and if she's treated as a high risk case, then like the chance of that then ending in some sort of intervention is higher because you've already presumed like it's almost like guilty until proven. And I'm not saying that's not coming necessarily from a place of preventing risk, but if we view the risk of like our biggest, it, it, one of the risks for us was having a birth that like ended in un unnecessarily or like maybe unavoidable intervention for want of a better term. Um, yeah. so for us, the risk would be that Laura felt uncomfortable. Laura felt unsafe. Laura felt like she was like a monkey in a zoo. Like th that was not something that she wanted to feel. So that was a big risk for us. Um, but your personal risks that you guys had identified weren't necessarily lining up with what the obstetrician viewed as a risk. Is that 
Well, it's hard for me to, to speak on behalf of him, but yeah I, yeah, I would suggest that the things that he was presenting to us were very much based on like his view on what the risks were and what his outcomes were, which ultimately their outcomes is exactly the same as our, our outcomes is that they want to have a healthy baby and they want mum to be health, healthy and safe. And I get that. And I think that's like, uh, it's just that what we viewed maybe as healthy and safe encompassed other elements. And um, I do recall him talking to us of the, the risk um, talking to us in absolute risks of say, um, cause the big thing with VBAC is, uh, and Laura's going to kill me if I butcher this, but like uterine rupture from, re from <laughs> recollection and like Laura's a women's health physio. So she was all over that, like <laughs> all over this. Stitch. And I just said to him, like, are we talking in, I, I think with any study and any research, you need to be mindful of the fact that like there's absolute risk and relative risk. So you need to be understanding the, the different population groups that you're actually analyzing and understand the differences. So yes, the risk might be one in X, but what is it versus the the control group? Like, and when you recognize that those differences might not be there and then like, it's okay, it's a risk of uterine rupture, but then what's the use, what's the actual risk of something occurring after the uterine, like, like what's the risk of that? Like what's the downstream effects of that? And, and understanding all of those. And like, I'm not the one to speak on that. So I recognize that it's definitely not my specialty, but <laughs> Uh, I think Laura and I had familiarized ourselves with that at the time and we're comfortable with the path that we were going down. That's awesome. Nobody has ever talked about risk on the podcast like that before. So that's cool. <laughs> well, everything I think is about your framing. Uh, yeah. and, and I was listening to so much, like I listened to all the podcast episodes of yours prior to this, cause I, I wanted to be prepared and I wanted to try and remember. And I was just, it's so interesting. I was thinking like, there's your birth story and then there's your story of your birth. And I think they're two different, like there may be two different things in the sense of like, so what I view as a risk might be different to someone else's view of the risk. And I, that was very apparent to us when we were probably, we kept things close to our chest, but we did share with some people that we were hoping to have a home birth. And given that Laura had two seasons, um, people weren't shy in telling us how risky that was. And in fairness, it was because they were worried for us and they love us. So they just wanted the best for us. But we did recognize that what we viewed as risk maybe was, was different to others. Um, we were conscious of trying not to carry other people's, I felt a lot of the time, like, yes, they were fearful for us, but they were fearful for themselves. And also it's interesting because I think you may be confronting people with their own views on things. Um, and maybe I'm thinking too deeply about that, but it, it's, yeah, it was a very interesting time. So you've employed your private midwife. Yes. <laughs> or so we thought. Yes. Oh, oh so, okay. Is there yeah. more to the story? No, no, you go. You okay. Okay. Um, then I know she had a doula as well, didn't she? Yes. At what point did that kind of, or when, when did Laura decide that she wanted to look into a doula um, and have the support of a private midwife and a doula? I can't recall exactly, but I, I do feel or like... what was the trigger or something, you know? Well, Laura's always said, like, when, not always said, but uh, after I think our first two um, births, she, I think she got quite interested in, in the whole concept of doulas. And I think regardless whether she had a maternal assisted Caesar or whatever, I think she wanted to go down that door. And I, I might be incorrect there, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that the, the doula was always something that was going to be involved, regardless of whether we went private or... Um, whether we went with 
like a, a sorry private ob versus a midwife versus like what ended up being <laughs> what we had so um yeah and with all of the um views and opinions coming at you and you're you know potentially breaking the mold of what people believe you should be doing and what you have done previously how was your I guess prep for Luca's birth different to the other two. Oh, it was radically different. I think, um, and probably not in the traditional sense. In the sense that, like, we we didn't necessarily like Laura's. Laura knows her stuff, and I probably trusted her. Like, I, I needed to have an exposure to her so I could help. Um, should like she need me to like I, I need to have an awareness, but I recognise that. <laughs> I was thinking again, when I was listening to your podcast last night around, um, my job's not to be an expert in birth because I've had three, which is probably like most more than a lot of, a lot of guys, <laughs> but my, my job was to be an expert in my partner and like, I know her so well and, um, yes, birth is a different thing, but I think my approach was to really understand like the way I want to prepare was to understand what she wanted, um, and wanted to feel and, and, and wanted what she wanted the outcome to be and to have a lot of discussions around that and and given that we were coming up against a lot of resistance i guess those conversations were had fairly often um because we were just checking with each other make sure you know everything's cool we're still wanting to go down this path and um we did do a birth workshop with Rhea dempsey uh mm-hmm. which was incredible like uh, she's like top dog she's guru in this world she's awesome <laughs> yeah it was um it was it was amazing and thoroughly enjoyed that. Recognize how much out of like, yeah, it's a lot to take in, but I was just doing my best to to take it all in. Again, the beautiful thing about it was like lunchtime, like being able to chat with Laura through it all. And like, I didn't recognize that or like, like being able to talk through things. So I'd be lying if I said I understood all the, the like, I remembered all the different techniques and all of that. But for the most part, it was just about like, having awareness of what you're getting yourself into and having an awareness of the landscape. And that's one thing I think Rhea does really well is she teaches you birth skills, but she also teaches you like, or, or sheds some light on what she believes to be the system and what you're getting yourself in for. And she's got this concept and I'm, it's slipping my mind right now. Oh, the crisis of confidence. And that was like amazing for me because she very much talks about it in the aspects of like a woman, like whilst they're going through the birth, but as a birth partner, the crisis of confidence is probably literally from the day that your wife tells you she's pregnant or your partner tells you she's pregnant, which clearly I've already forgotten what that was, but, um, and then all through the pregnancy and then during birth and then afterwards where you feel like, especially early days, it's like, well, what am I doing here? Like I'm not helpful at all. So this whole concept of crisis of confidence and knowing that's coming. Um, and knowing like, for instance, the difference between maybe how things will progress in a private system versus a public system versus a home birth system and understanding all of those things that was very useful. So I actually found that a lot more useful than say the birth skills themselves, because ultimately I knew that we would be supported in that. Um, it helps to have that awareness and to have your own, like, uh, be prepared yourself for that. But if you're surrounding yourself with a great team. Like I was very comfortable with the team that we had. So I knew that like, I probably didn't need to be the one that knew every single thing about birth, but I just wanted to be making sure that we were making the right decisions for us. And like, and ultimately like I wanted to be able to support Laura. Good answer. Mm. So you mentioned crisis of confidence. Was there any point along the pregnancy 
journey leading up to this Airbnb (laughs) (laughs) that you had second doubts, second thoughts. It's amazing because I had, I don't know what it was. I just, I'm a fairly, (laughs) I'm a fairly risk averse dude. Um, And Laura and I like, yeah, we're pretty like vanilla. Like we're just pretty conservative, but we were both just steadfast and um, especially given like where we started, like we started from wanting to have a maternal assisted cesarean to where we ended up having a home birth with just a doula present. And the whole time it was like, we had these little micro steps. So just to go forward one moment, like we needed to get a referral to, from a GP to the midwife to enable us to do it because that's what she needed. Um, as it turns out, we didn't quite get that with the first one, first GP that we asked because his insurer wouldn't. He spoke to his insurer and wasn't to be. So we then sought that from another GP that Laura had history with. And um, that happened, which was great. Um, Then possibly later on, very close to Laura. So Laura then has the, we've engaged the midwife based on that. We've gone through and went to the hospital, Geelong hospital to meet with the obstetrician and what have you. And, um, so we're doing everything according to plan. And then a uh, midwife closer to Laura's due date then lets us know that she's, uh, there's some complications with her governing body and that, you know, we might be under a little bit of scrutiny and um, not, not for any wrongdoing, what have you, um, that, that might've come to their attention and can only think of one way that that might've come to their attention, but Hey, um, it just became clear to us that we didn't want that energy. We didn't want the midwife having to, to come from that place either where she was all of a sudden like feeling like she's got someone breathing down her neck. So I think it might've been like as close as I I can't recall, but I think we're probably three or four weeks out by this stage. And we decide, you know what, we're not going down this path. We're not doing the Airbnb. We're going to have this at home and we're going to have this in a positive, as positive a way as possible and as calm a way as possible. So we ended up not going with the midwife Um, and, and all through this, and I'll come back to answering your question around, like, no, all through this, it's like, well, this is just happening for us. Like, this is exactly how it's supposed to happen. Um, and don't get me wrong, we didn't jump straight there. Like, there was <laughs> there was a little crit. But for the most part, like, we're constantly like, oh, cool, this is what we're doing. Um, and it genuinely wasn't until, like, two nights before Laura eventually gave birth that I had a little bit of a, I was exhausted because Laura had two days of labor by that stage. And I just had a bit of, a like, a, a strange dream. And that was the first time I sort of started to feel like something might go wrong. Um, but up until that point, I just had every faith that everything was going to go well. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very strange for me because it, I'm not, uh, I'm very much the sort of person that questions things. Um, but I just had this unwavering faith in Laura. I just knew that she, she had it, um, regardless of what's going to happen. And like, in fairness, like she's always had it so that, that she's given me every reason to, to have faith in her. So good. <laughs> so it sounds like you use the system when it was helping you. And then if it wasn't going to support you, how you wanted to be supported, it was made clear to you guys in your conversations that it was time to step away. Um, if, if that's a fair statement. Well, for us, it was a big part of like understanding what we actually wanted and that seemed to continually yeah. like evolve. And, and I, I, I didn't ever see it as a, um, well, maybe at moments I did, but for the most part, I didn't really see it as a, if this or that, I always <laughs> see it as like a holistic sort of like everything has its place. Um, 
I, I knew that fear, like, and like a risk-based approach and Laura being hooked up to constant beeping machines wasn't something that she wanted. And if it wasn't something that she wanted, I definitely didn't want it. Um, I wanted her to feel comfortable. So I, I knew that that's what we wanted, but I, I felt like everything had its place. Um, and as I said, ultimately we wanted the, the midwife present and in hindsight, I'm glad it went exactly how it went. Um, but yeah, I, I think we were slowly evolving as to what we wanted and then the things that the resources that we needed changed as we changed what we wanted. Yeah. Can I ask what your, your dream was? <laughs> what's funny is I, <laughs> as you can probably tell, I'm very scant on details with most things. I, I remember things in generalities and in how they made me feel. And I just remember feeling for the first time in the whole like pregnancy, like I had doubts, but there's a big difference between having doubts. Like th there's those doubts that you know that you can overcome with your doubts, but you then think through them and you're fine and you feel through them and you're fine. Um, it was the first time I actually felt, Oh, something could go wrong here and like something might be going wrong. Um, so I can't remember exactly what the dream was other than like, it was the first time that I felt, um, yeah, a little bit vulnerable in the whole situation. And I'm, I've made a big assumption, but just to make sure that it's clear was Laura's pregnancy from a medical point of view was that like pretty smooth sailing aside from the fact she was deemed high risk because of the two previous c-sections yeah was that her actual pregnancy itself like uneventful like, well all her pregnancies oh. in fairness were uneventful like yeah. um okay. she ultimately she was measuring big for our first two um somehow we got this grand idea that like laura was getting close like she'd put on <laughs> I don't think she probably said this, put on a ton of weight for her first pregnancy. She got close to a hundred kilos. So we thought, why not crack the ton? So then that was like, she decided to crack the ton. Um, she probably wasn't eating as well as she could have and what have you. Um, second time, she definitely didn't do that. And um, she had a really, like, she's been like, she's had this miraculous, like she's had amazing pregnancies, every single, every single one of her pregnancies. Um, she didn't really have any monitoring for her third pregnancy at all. So from a, like a stats point of view, no, like I, I we wouldn't know, um, but like the way it worked out was fine. Um, but no, she was healthy. Like she was, um, like she has really smooth pregnancies. So, um, yeah, really good pregnancy. She's one of the people that I don't like. <laughs> well, my poor sister is, um, very, she has, uh, very challenging pregnancies. So we've definitely seen the full gambit and Laura has wonderful pregnancies. Lucky girl. <laughs> yeah, lucky partner too. It makes my yeah. job much easier. <laughs> So you mentioned that um, Laura went into labour and she had had pre-labour for a few days. Can you describe kind of what the lead up was like for you guys? Yeah. So the other thing about not having the midwife on board meant now we could like, there wasn't again like that ticking time bomb, which, you know, it's, think of, don't think of elephants and next minute you're thinking of elephants. So as soon as you start to put the time pressure on like all you think about that time pressure don't get me wrong it's, it's in your head knowing okay so we're 42 weeks okay now uh, like 40 weeks okay where's the, the time has started um so i think from memory i think she ended up having luca essentially i don't i can't remember but i think it was maybe two weeks overdue um and so she essentially started her early contractions or pre-labor the same, pretty much the same point that which she started with Pia, which again, was a little bit like, I, I probably only recognized that in hindsight and I was, oh, okay. What could have possibly been? Um, so then I think it was on a Thursday and Laura sort of 
started to have like, um, you know, these small contractions. And so we put our two kids with my sister who lives nearby and they ended up staying with her, which ended up being the longest sleepover they've ever had. So, um, <laughs> so early and it started to ramp up. I remember that night she didn't get much sleep. So that was the Thursday night. Well, she didn't sleep at all. I was trying my best to stay awake and I, I was good that night. I was much better. So she had a TENS machine and she was like, we're just trying to, try, trying to keep a lid on it. Um, and um, the next day doing a little bit of walking and I recall like being in touch with her doula and just for some reassurance, checking in where we're at, but things weren't necessarily progressing. Um, and then that night I recall like, so Laura is getting quite tired by this stage. So um, again, she didn't sleep. I did fall asleep momentarily and I got screamed at for it, but like, I was trying my best to stay awake, um, and just support her. Like she was on the tens machine. I think I was my job. I think there's like a turbo or a boost button. I can't remember what it was called. That was my job on the tens machine. And just to give her, like, she liked to hold my hand and like squeeze my hand. And, um, there was other techniques that she tried, but they, they didn't really work for her. Like ultimately like Laura being Laura, like she was very independent and, um, like she's just literally carrying me on her back. Um, so like there was a lot of me just like, she was just leaning on me and I was using the, the tens machine and her just finding a comfortable position. Um, so she didn't get much sleep the, the Friday night and our kids were still at like my sister's. Um, and yeah, Saturday, same thing. So, and I think Saturday from memory is where things got a little bit more, is this going to happen? Like what, what's going on here? Like, um, and she's, obviously exhausted by this stage. Um, we're going for walks, getting some fresh air and yeah, that's when she started to have like her doubts, I think, but I, I don't recall them ever. I don't recall ever taking them overly serious. Um, I just think we always felt like it's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when I was like, I, I just need this. <laughs> I just, I just wanted her to endure. Like I, I had every faith that she was going to get there. It's just like, I just didn't want to get exhausted prior. So we're just trying to keep her rested. And then again, like Saturday night, all night again. Um, and that by Saturday, like well, Sunday, early in the morning, things are starting to ramp up. And like, and then I'm on the phone to the doula on Sunday morning. She's like, is that Laura? I was like, yeah, she was okay. <laughs> things are happening now. She could just hear her. Um, and yeah, so that's when I can't recall what time in the morning, but like quite early in the morning, the doula came. And I recall like there was this little moment where there was this, this beautiful intimacy that had happened between Laura and I during that whole period where I was like, I got to be her person and not in a, like, not in an egotistical way, but it was like this real strong bond. And then all of a sudden I felt quite like lost once the doula got there originally. And it was for no fault of anyone's. It was just like, there'd been this little bubble. And for us, like we're used to having two kids around as well. So that was quite strange. But then that quickly subsided to being like, I'm glad there's someone else here because I feel like I had done a lot of what like, there didn't need to be an intimacy at this point anymore because like, it was nice to have that, that help. Um, so then I fumbled around using a hairdryer to, to, to blow up the baby pool that we had. Cause that was the cheaper version. Um, so it's got some obnoxious mermaids and all this stuff. It's hilarious. <laughs> the photos are quite funny. Um, and I hadn't blown it up properly. So every time Laura's leaning over the edge of the pool, there's water going all over the house. And yeah, it's just hilarious. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, a bit, like I, I, I know I'm skipping steps, but for the most part, the things that, as I said, the thing I remember was just this intimacy, this this bubble where we were helping each other out, and uh, Laura getting quite tired, and then Dula coming along is like, okay, this is the business end, and then there's a little bit of waiting. We had some 
great music on and we're just chilling laura was doing her thing and then there was just this moment and i was like whoa okay i can see it like this 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 moment where everything shifts and i can see laura's gonna have a baby and um and she all of a sudden just um she just went to this other place and it was amazing and that that like little bit of doubt or that little bit of for one of the word, word whinging like that that had all gone and she was like she was having a baby and um she's in the pool and yeah things ramped up really quick and um ended up uh yeah she had the baby in the pool um which is amazing um little less amazing that water's going everywhere because she's leaning into me and and so that was slightly distracting but at the same time in true like laura and jay fashion having a laugh and it was quite good and um <laughs> it was it was just incredible to watch that um it was such a different experience to our first two to like to be involved in that and then baby comes um luca comes i should say um and i could see i was watching the doula and i could see that something was like she was slightly concerned and um and then as it turns out, um, she was a bit uncomfortable with the amount of bleeding that was happening. Um, so we ended up calling the ambos and I was a bit, <laughs> when I was calling triple zero, I was a bit sass as to whether or not like, like they ask you questions like, like, oh, you had a baby at home. I was like, yeah, we did have a baby at home. Cause I was, I hadn't, again, like, I, I feel like I've just constantly been underprepared. So the first two times, like first time I was unprepared for cesarean being how it would end up. Second time I was like. Laura had sprung on me that I, second time I was like, okay, we're having a cesarean. And then all of a sudden it, it maybe wasn't that. And then third time I was like, we're having home birth. Um, and then I'm <laughs> um, calling the ambulance and next minute Laura's heading to the hospital. And it, so it turns out it's the first time that our daughter had to call an ambulance. Um, okay. Well, at least from what I understand, some people call an ambulance because it's an easier way to um, <laughs> register a birth. But um, Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm told. I don't know. There you go. Um, if they end up in a hospital that way. So um <laughs> called the ambulance and they were fantastic. Actually, we live in like a small town and knew one of the ambo drivers and um they were lovely. Like it was it was quite a like um Laura was a little bit cool and lots of blankets and um like I recall when they came in and they saw the pool and like blood and like whoa and just the face <laughs> one of those like, Yeah, that's happening, this is what's going on and they were just awesome. Um, and we live in a, like a block of three. So Laura's the, the ambulance comes up the driveway and like our neighbors are out there and, um, oh, and I was like, oh, well, okay. I don't know what to do now. So making Laura, a bit of a scene more than yeah, we hope for. Yeah, exactly. Like, we were, and they all knew like Laura's like two weeks over by this stage. Um, so Laura heads off to the hospital in the ambulance. Um, did you go with it? Were you allowed? No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. So she went with Luca and I was going to follow and I was just in this weird like I was like on cloud nine, but then at the same time, like now having to get my practical brain on again. So my neighbor was out the front and I'm giving him high fives. And then it's like, well, let's go to the hospital. Um, and <laughs> Laura's mom is a, she's a midwife slash like nurse. Um, so I need to, she knew by the stage, cause she's like, there's been radio silence, like what's going on. So I'm trying to call her and she must have heard in my voice that like I was slightly like well Laura's an ambulance she's on to the hospital <laughs> but everything's cool I don't know like and then I just we get to the I get to the hospital eventually and I just recall Laura being in uh, I think at stirrups um and like everyone's looking at her and once again like holding bubs because that was the big thing with the first two is that I was the one holding I remember just holding like Mussy and Pia 
while Laura was down in recovery. Um, and then they, they show me like Laura's um, tear and, and Laura's like, what do we do? And like, she, so she ends up going into surgery to fix this tear. And I'm there again with Luca in the hospital. And um, it was just such an interesting little moment for me. Um, and, and one that I, I guess, yeah, still sits with me a little bit in the sense that that's not how we expected it to be. And I think that's probably a big thing of all of it. You can never expect it to be like, you, you, you always have to go in there with uh, expecting it to go un to the unexpected. So, yeah. um, so that was challenging to be there again. But it was nice to like the obstetrician that was doing the surgery on Laura to, to give her the stitches was a local girl that we knew as well. So it, all these things and the, the hospital staff were really welcoming and it was just, yeah, it was a really lovely experience. So they took her in, cared for her, but ultimately I didn't expect to be in a hospital again. So it was slightly different. And then Laura spent that night in hospital by herself with Luca and I went home and the kids were still at my sister's so I could get some sleep. Um, and then the next day, um, there was toing and throwing about uh, different treatments for for Laura, given that she'd lost blood. Um, and so we had some big chats about those, and then you know, decided on the path we wanted to take. And then Laura got discharged, and we're back home. And that's when our beautiful daughter Luca was welcomed home. And I would definitely say there's life. Like our two older kids are beautiful, but. Uh, the birth of Luca, there's like life before the birth of Luca and then there's life after it. I recall looking at Laura when we had Marcy and thinking, geez, I'll never look at you the same, but I'll tell you what, I'll never look at her the same <laughs> after we had Luca and everything that's happened subsequent to that. It's just, yeah, it was just an amazing experience to be honest. That's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the doula mentioned that she was worried about the amount of blood loss and you're calling the ambulance and obviously you feel in that a bit of unpreparedness. Yes. Where were you like on the scale of, you know, cloud nine up one side and stressing I'm calling the ambulance for my wife that's bleeding? Like, do you know what I mean? It's, I know you can feel both at the same time. But yeah, I was definitely in both because Laura wasn't there at all. Like Laura was just stoked. Like Laura, the hospital, the, the ambos are bringing up, they're trying to, I'm lifting, I'm helping them lift the wheelchair. Cause we've got a few stairs to get up to a house and like, I'm, I'm helping them with the wheelchair. And Laura's like, she wants to eat something before she goes to the hospital. So she's standing. Okay, so she's not concerned. No, she's not at all. And like, okay, like. And I want to be with her there, but I also like, as I said, like I'm, I'm a sensible kind of guy. And I was like, well, you know, she's bleeding. The doula who is experienced, like she, I trust that if she's concerned, I need to give this the level of concern that it deserves. Um, so yeah, on one hand I wanted, like, I was like, okay, cool. Laura seems fine. Like I trust yeah. that she's fine, but at the same time, like, um, yeah, there's blood and I don't know any better. And that's the thing. I just don't genuinely, like you can do all the preparedness you want, but if you're not an expert in these things, then at some point you recognize where the holes in your thinking are. And especially when something's as immediate as that, like bleeding is something that <laughs> it feels like very urgent. Um, so yeah, it did feel like all of a sudden things had stepped up a notch and yeah, Laura's on cloud nine. So it's like, well, someone needs to like, on the other hand, we just had a baby. So I'm trying to celebrate that. Um, and I recall, and I probably skipped over a little bit, but 
Yeah, the 24 hours while Laura was in hospital, I think the focus was very much for me, not on Luca, which I found hard. Um, I was more thinking about the situation that had happened and and trying to understand how to place it all and how to to reconcile all of it and, and where to from here. Um, so it was like an interesting little period. Um, so yeah, I, I do think I was balancing between like the elation of having Luca at home, like to think that it happened after all of that and to see how stoked Laura was, but then not to be there with her and to be sharing it at home, how we thought it was, it was slightly, again, not what we expected, but it is what it is. And it's been such a, yeah, it was an awesome result. That's really lovely. So I'm assuming Luca was on Laura like in the ambulance and getting to the hospital and all of those. There was no letting anyone near. Like yeah. <laughs> there, after everything, that was such a big part of like the first two births for Laura is that she just yeah. like, you know, beautiful for me as a dad. Like I got so much time with Mus and Pia. Um, and I recall with Mus, even my in-laws and my mum were waiting outside the room and they wanted to know what we had. It's like, no, 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 you're not finding out until Laura comes back up to the room and, you know, they're poking their head and like, no, no, no. So whereas, no, this time Laura definitely wasn't letting anything get in between her and her cuddles with little Luca. So she got it the whole time. That's really good. <laughs> and then you touched on it. You were standing in the hospital getting your snuggles while they were helping Laura while she was in the stirrups. Yes. And that was bringing back some feelings from the first two. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, positive, a little bit of overwhelm, like how that was. Um, if you want to, if it's too much. It's amazing on one hand, like, and I, I recall it's slightly different than first. So we had two older niece and nephew before we had Marcy, and I just recall looking at it because people like instantly fall in love. I was like, oh, I don't know this kid. Like I, I just remember like feeling so at that time I was like, where's my wife? Like I'm worried more about my wife being in recovery than I was worried about my brand new little boy and I hadn't, didn't feel that connection. So on one hand I was trying to get out of my head and just like cuddle this kid. Um, but then feeling like I was, uh, I didn't necessarily know exactly what to do. And, and at the same time, like every time I don't know what to do, like I've got Laura there with me. So we share those moments. I just wanted her to be back in the room and then everything, once you did, then that's when we started to bond. And whereas with Luca, it wasn't that, like I, I, I was prepared for the fact that like, I wasn't necessarily going to be super connected to this baby straight away. Like that, I, I think like for me, at least that slowly evolves. Like I, I'm not instantly like, yes, I'm in love with my baby, but not in, mm -hmm. not necessarily super connected to them or super familiar just yet. Um, but I just remember thinking like, it, it's amazing because you're having this such an intimate connection, but then also you're feeling like so lonely all at the same time. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, it was, I don't actually know how to describe it. Other than I just wanted Laura to be back, to be honest. I just wanted to come back and I wanted to be cuddling her, like cuddling her and Luca all at the same time. Um, and thankfully that was what happened eventually. Um, but I was very conscious of just like trying to connect as best as I could, regardless of what was going on, um, connect with Luca and, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you all got to be reunited at home. Yes. All five of you. Yes. What yes. was immediate postpartum life like? Yeah, wow. Um, I I still will say to people the biggest jump is from zero to one. Like I think having one kid is a huge shock to the system. But having one to two, I found quite okay. Like I, I think we knew what to prepare for, but two to three, wow. And and granted, Laura recovered fantastically from the cesareans. So like she was pretty much up and at them very quickly. Whereas I think she was a little bit more tender and, and a bit slower. 
um, with a recovery from Luca, um, especially given surgery and what have you. Um, and I actually recall thinking for the, like, I'm pretty, we're very independent, Laura and I, like we like to do like, look after ourselves and look after our kids but i recall thinking like i'd really like <laughs> some help um so i was really grateful for laura's parents and for my siblings and my mum for helping out um in the first especially the first week i think when laura was sort of knocked off her feet a bit um yeah it was it was it was challenging like in terms of like i just yeah hadn't expected it to be all of a sudden I was outnumbered, like we were outnumbered as the adults. So it just felt like a very different, very different vibe this time. But again, like that soon passes, like everything, like everything passes, like everything's a phase. And I think that's what happens second, third time around. Like my, my biggest advice always to people, I saw this lady once walking a kid at the beach, like uh, her new baby at the beach. And she, she knew I had three kids and said, look, they'll break you before you break them. And like everything passes. And I knew that that moment would pass. And then we found our rhythm and yeah. Always finding a rhythm because everything's constantly, <laughs> constantly changing and there's always new challenges. You're speaking to my soul right now. I don't know yes. if you realize we're having our third in December. Uh, so yes, I did. Um, I heard that on the <laughs> podcast. So that, congratulations. Oh, well, yeah. That no, freeze easy. Don't stress. Like easy. Don't. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm due the week before Christmas, so Perfect. it's going to be chaos. <laughs> I can feel it. Oh, there's, a, there's something amazing about the three is in um, our middle one, Pia, which will be your middle one as well, Pia. Um, it, it's cool to see her be a little sister and a big sister. And like, um, there's something about the three that, that I think it works really well. Maybe not like straight away. It, it, it can be challenging, um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we were talking a little bit before I officially started the podcast and yes. you mentioned that um, something that you guys have kind of realized is the more spiritual side to birth and the more that it's not always, I can't remember the word you used, but. Um, Hopefully I didn't swear. Yeah. No, you did it. You did it at all. <laughs> Would you mind like elaborating a little bit on that um, and like, I guess your your process from Marzi to Luca. Yes. It's obviously changed and your headspace has obviously changed a bit and yes. you did make that comment to me. Yes. Um, so how that kind of, especially from Laura's side, being a women's health physio yes. um, and being quite medically orientated yes. to start with, like what was that kind of like? Um, it's, I think, um, like Laura, Laura's, uh, like she's got an online business in, in the birth space. So she's an advocate for women. And so this is like something that's near and dear to her heart around. And like, she's now this woman that's had a, like, she's a champion of the VBAC, I guess. Um, but she was also <laughs> a massive champion of like a positive cesarean story because it's funny how you can encounter like both sides where we've had people that have, when Laura had a cesarean, like. People would outwardly say to her, like, oh, poor thing. Um, I was like, well, <laughs> this woman's out of birth and we've got a beautiful kid. And I like I like complete compassion to where they're coming from. I understand it. Like, especially like now I understand it because it was such a different experience for us the, the third time around. But at the same time, I think it's so important. Obviously, there's physiological differences in like a vaginal birth versus a cesarean birth versus like 
like it's such a spicy topic as well anything to do with birth or uh, as i've come to know given that laura's in the public eye but um i think it's so much the story that you tell around them and, and the emotions that you've attached to them is as important if not more important than like how you feel about the way you gave birth whether it's private whether it's public whether it's like a midwife or whether your midwife was uh <laughs> to be struck off because there's <laughs> anyhow um it doesn't really matter like it like from a like the physicality is one thing but how you feel about it emotionally and like even just in this conversation you'd kind of trip me up around like I didn't recognize how much that moment in the hospital, I guess, like how much it was deja vu, but at the same time in a different way, like I didn't realize how much I, how much emotion was wrapped up in that. But as I said, like, I do feel like spiritually, like there's been like this rite of passage that's happened with Laura, like with the third, with Luca, that she didn't necessarily experience with the other two. And again, I don't think that's just because of like, physically what happened i think mentally the way we approached it very differently what we wanted out of it was very different like we weren't necessarily looking for something that was um we were full-blown expecting it to be hard and challenging and possibly painful but physiologically painful like and like pain has its place it's a it's a messenger and but also enduring that pain and overcoming that and the confidence that then come, like she's just a warrior like she's just this warrior woman like i just look at her as some goddess like the way that she handled it all it's just amazing and the confidence that comes from that like if i can do that then like you know what everything else for the most part is a cakewalk that's an awesome answer. I was going to say, I'm not sure if I actually, had to, I can't remember what the question was. I remember it was something to do with spirituality. So, um, yeah. I, it doesn't I, really I, matter what the question was when that's the answer you give. <laughs> I, I do know that I'm married to a woman with an incredible spirit and, um, it, it, I think it's palpable and it's become even more palpable since, <laughs> since Luca. I have never actually had a conversation with her. I've just, you know, sent a few emails and some yes. messages and I can also attest that she has a pretty epic spirit. So yes. well done you for finding her in the world. <laughs> oh, look, um, early days we had a, a chaotic start because we probably didn't really make a lot of sense to each other, but um, I can't even recall. Like, oh, what am I? I'm 36. So we've, what, 50, 15 years together now. Um, and wow, I couldn't. Yeah, the, how much we've changed and how like how good we've been for each other. She might not say that, but she's been good for me, that's for sure. Like she's incredible. Um and like our three kids are now just added to that incredibleness and it's been an amazing, amazing journey. Beautiful. And my final question, if you had any words of wisdom or advice to anyone, you can as a first time dad, as a VBAC dad, as a whatever you want what would it be look i'm going to cheat and i'm going to be a bit broad here and i think <laughs> um i am inclined often to preaching to myself and ultimately like you get to tell the story like regardless of what it is and um i, I think um yeah you get to to be the, the the author or the narrator the the protagonist of your own story and i think if you can remember that and realize how much you're creating the experiences happening in front of you um and whether that's by like some people would say that we're literally manifesting that others would just be the way that we like tell that story or the way that we perceive it to be true um so like i i 
I think um, every single thing that's happened in my life has been for a reason and, and been happening for me rather than to me. Um, and I, I don't think you could have a more literal example of that of how we were like baby stepped into like Laura's third birth. I think like literally every single bit of it happened slowly just so that we could just so that we could handle it just the right amount. Um, and then that little hiccup after the fact to sort of show, okay, now there's a place for all of this and you need to reconcile all of it. So yeah, give yourself a break, <laughs> enjoy whatever happens, um, and trust, like just trust. And I think there's a preparedness that, um, you can be as physically prepared as you want, uh, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, uh, it's much more challenging in that front because like you go to the gym and you do some workouts and there's pain, but you can you can put that in context, like, cause you know how to feel about that pain. But if you don't have a context for like the like physical pain of say labor, or you don't have a context for like the emotional pain that is that your kid pretty much screaming at you. Um, if you don't have context for that, then it's going to be more of a struggle than it needs to be. So I think trying to be as prepared as possible, but then like, I'm a constant contradiction at the same time, just being in the moment and letting things be. Um, yeah. I don't know. I could, I could, I don't know how much advice I could possibly give because it's an unending, such a challenge, but at the same time, so rewarding. That's really cool. And next time on JA's advice channel, we will. As <laughs> advice to myself or stuff that I don't follow that I should know better. You're very reflective. I really appreciate how much thought and reflection goes into like what you've said. It's, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate the compliment, but I'm also a big proponent of like, I, I feel like our biggest strength is often our biggest weakness. So when Laura looks at me and say, JA, where are you? Like, um, cause I'm so much in my head because I'm like <laughs> being reflective rather than being like right now. So I, I think it has, its, it definitely has its pros and its cons. Um, fair, fair. Yes. <laughs> oh dear. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. It's so lovely to be able to 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 share the story from a guy's point of view. And it's it's a very different perspective, I guess, than a female's point of view. But um, for all us guys out there, I, I think it's very real. And um, a lot of the time, I think we feel like um, we're helpless. And but um, no, it's lovely to be able to. Uh, <laughs> you kind of caught me. Um, there's a couple of moments where I clearly haven't unpacked for myself. So it was really lovely to stop and reflect. So thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Thank you for doing it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, there's no hiding now. Hey, mummers. I really hope you love that episode. It's a little bit different for the podcast. Obviously, you're not hearing from me, but you know what? If there's anyone who's going to be like me, it's my husband. He literally walks every step of the way with me, birth life, parenting, business, like he is my, you know, my twin. He is always there walking my life journeys with me. So he's the closest person to me that you could hear from on the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed his perspective of birth um, and yeah, how it is from his point of view, because a lot of the focus is on me or from the birthing woman. And I think it's really cool to hear from the partners. So thank you to Sam for inviting him onto the stories from the Birth Suite podcast and for letting us share it over here on the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Um, we have a couple of 
yeah, new interviews and things like this to share on the podcast. I have been on a couple of other people's podcasts recently. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast that you don't miss out on hearing from these. I do share very differently when I'm on other people's podcasts. So I think it's really cool to share that over here with you guys as well. I have a couple of epic series coming up too. So again, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. And if you want to hear more from JA, he did join me on the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast for our 100th episode. And that was a really cool chat between him and I about living, working, co-parenting, you know, birthing together about how we live our life, our values, supporting me through business, through mothering, through birth. Uh, it was a really beautiful chat. We've got a lot of really wonderful feedback. So go and listen to episode 100 if you want to hear from JA again. And I'm sure he, his ego... <laughs> would love to hear from you. If you really enjoyed this episode, please jump on over to at Physio Laura and let me know what you thought. Slide into my inbox or comment on this podcast post and let me know if you want to hear from him again, because obviously he has a unique perspective on what it is like to support me through business, through mothering, through birthing, through pregnancy. Um, and if you want to hear a little bit more from him, if you have any other questions or follow-up topics that you'd like for us to jump on a podcast together, I'm quite confident. Now he's got the taste of it. He, he loves to chat this guy. He's always at the coffee shop having three hour conversations with people. So I'm sure he would love to jump on again and chat about anything. So yeah, if you have anything you'd love to hear his perspective on, please do jump on over and let me know. Otherwise, if you want to connect with me further, you know where I live, my online program, The Pregnancy Posse, where I support women through every week of their pregnancy with weekly workouts, pelvic floor exercises, birth preparation, a wonderful community forum, weekly Q&As, you name it. It is like the ultimate support crew. So if you do want to connect with me further, ask me any questions or have me help you on your pregnancy journey, please jump over to thepregnancyposse.com and you can trial it for seven days. But otherwise, mummers, I hope wherever you are, you are having a wonderful day. I hope you're listening to this podcast, feeling lit up. You're obviously having some me time, which is amazing. And yeah, I hope you're feeling really good and I'll be in your ears soon. Bye.